0: Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. Hi, welcome to Solomon's Porch. You're here for the first time. Uh, My name is Kelly Barkle. I'm just a guest speaker. We have an awesome pastor that speaks most every Sunday, and she is wonderful as well. And so listen, it's Father's Day, so I know Father's Day, a lot of mixed emotions because some of us, like myself, uh, maybe our father has passed away. And so when it's an exciting day for some, some it's a time that we think and, uh, and have some memories. And so I'm glad that you're here too and hope that you'll be blessed. We're in the middle of a series of talks called summer at the movies. So we've been doing different movies each Sunday. My movie today is Rocky 5. Anybody seen any Rocky movie ever in your life? All right, at least one of them, at least one of six or seven, something like that. The Rocky movies, you know, Rocky 1 comes out and Rocky faces Apollo Creed and they go at it and Rocky comes out on top and and then we have Rocky 2 where uh, Apollo Creed ends up taking, he's the champ, and he wants Rocky to fight him, and so he comes back, and they fight again, and I don't know if you're familiar with Rocky too, but in the ninth round, both of them fall out, and the official starts to count. One, two. He gets up to five, and Apollo's out, Rocky's out, gets to six, and Rocky starts moving a little bit. Seven. The music comes on. Da da da. Rocky starts coming to his knees. He gets to nine and Rocky stands out. Apollo's still down and Rocky becomes the champion of the world. And Rocky three, he fights Clubber Lane, Mr. T. I pity the fool. <laughs> and he takes him out. And then Rocky four, we have this huge machine looking guy, the Russian. And Rocky ends up taking him out. And then we get into Rocky 5. And at the beginning of Rocky 5, it kind of shows where he beats the Russian. And listen, Rocky is on top of the world. He's the champion of the world. He's one of the most famous people on the planet. Everybody knows his name. He's got more money than he knows what to do with. His family's very close at the time. His wife loves him. His kid's doing well. I mean, Rocky has got it going on. He doesn't ever have to fight again. Matter of fact, he's diagnosed with a brain injury, a severe brain injury, and is told he can never fight again. And then they're at Rocky's mansion, a huge mansion. And Adrian, yo, Adrian, She has this letter in her hand and she's reading this letter and you can just see her countenance begin to change as she reads this letter and she looks up at her brother, Polly. Polly, what'd you do? I didn't do nothing. (laughs) And her brother, Polly, had somehow gotten Rocky to sign a piece of paper from the accountant, but the paper was giving the accountant the power of attorney over everything that belonged to Rocky's. So right at the beginning of the movie, we see Rocky lose, go from the top of the world to the bottom of a gutter. He loses everything, loses all of his money. The mansion is, ends up that he thought it was paid for is $400,000 behind. He's six years back on his taxes. The accountant embezzled all of his money on some real estate deals that didn't work out. So Rocky's left with selling his boxing shoes and selling his gloves and everything. Because listen, betrayal, betrayal happens when you least expect it. Betrayal is something that every single one of us can relate to. You're either coming out of being betrayed, many of you sitting here this morning, you, you've, you're in the pit of betrayal right now. Or let me tell you, every single one of us at some time in your life, maybe sooner than later, are going to experience betrayal And Rocky was betrayed by his accountant and loses everything. Everything's gone, and he ends up having to move back to his old neighborhood in the gym, near the gym that he grew up boxing in with old Mickey, his coach Mickey. And the only thing they had left was the old gym, and it wasn't even in his name. When Mickey died, he left it in the will to Rocky's son. So he tells Adrian, yo, Adrian, I'm going to go for a walk, yo. (laughs) Yo. And he ends up going upstairs to the old boxing gym that was ran down dirty and dusted. He's broke, busted, and disgusted. And he has this dream, this daydream. It goes like this. Slip the jab.
1: <laughs> Slip the jab. That's right. That's it. Hey, I didn't hear no bell. Okay. All right, that's right. Slip the jab. That's it. right See that thumb in front of you. You see yourself doing right, and you do right. That's pretty. That's very pretty. Time. Ah, come here, Rock. My God, you're ready, ain't you? That Apollo won't know what hit him. You're gonna roll over him like a bulldozer, an Italian bulldozer. You Italian. know, kid. I know how you feel about this fight that's coming up, because I, I was young once too. And I tell you something. Well, if he wasn't here, he, I probably wouldn't be alive today. The fact that you're here and doing as well as you're doing gives me, what do you call it, a motivation, huh? To stay alive. Because I think that people die sometimes when they don't want to live no more. Nature's smarter than people think. And nature is smarter than people think. Little by little, we lose our friends. We lose everything. We keep losing and losing till we say, oh, I got no reason to go on. But with you, kid i got a reason to go on, and I'm going to stay alive, and I will watch you make good. And I'll never leave you. And I'll never leave you until that happens. Because when I leave you, you'll not only know how to fight, you'll be able to take care of yourself outside the ring, too. Is that OK? It's OK. OK. Now, I got a little gift for you. Oh million Now, wait a minute, million. wait a minute now, wait a minute. Really, I don't need nothing. <laughs> Look at it. See that? This is the favorite thing that I have on this earth. And Rocky Marciano, give me that. You know what it was? His cufflink, huh? And now I'm giving it to you. And it, it's got to be like a like an angel on your shoulder, you. see? <clears> and <throat> if you ever get hurt. And you feel that you're going down, this little angel is going to whisper in your ear. He's going to say, Get up! Because Mickey loves you. Okay? Thanks, Mick. All right. I
0: love you too. Go after him, kid. He remembers Mickey telling him, You gotta see yourself doing right, and you gotta. Do right, And what a jewel that is for all of us, because listen, sometimes you've got to picture it. Sometimes you've got to stop and just close your eyes and picture your life playing out the way that God desires for it to play out. You've got to see yourself as the person that God sees you, not as your parents maybe saw you or as a teacher or a coach or someone maybe negative, a friend or someone outside the family, outside the home. You can't see yourself the way that those people saw you and and, and have taught you to see yourself. You've got to see yourself the way that God sees yourself playing out. The way that he does. I remember when I was a I coached competitive cheerleading for about 15 years. And every year we would practice seven days a week, and we'd practice before school and after school, and we'd work forever on this little two and a half minute cheerleading routine. Hours and hours. And about a month before we would compete, I would sit all of them down. And they would all gather around and I would tell them all, now listen, you've got to, I just want you to close your eyes. We've got the routine down. We've got everything down. I want you to close your eyes. And next to me would be my cassette player. I'd push it. <laughs> you have to look that up on Google, some of you. Cassette player. I'd push that cassette player, and with the, everybody's eyes closed, we would play the music. And they would go through the entire routine. They would move every motion, every movement, every step, when they breathe, and how long they breathe. Every tumbling pass was perfect. Every stunt was just right. Every pyramid stuck just perfect. Because I knew that if they could see themselves doing it the way it was supposed to be done, they would begin to believe in themselves and chances were they would be able to live it out. And for some of you, listen, you've got to begin to believe that you can live this life that God has for you to live. And you've got to see yourself living it out. And with him, you can live the life that God desires for you to live. So listen, let me ask you this question. How do you see yourself How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself living out the plan that God has for you? Do you see yourself doing right? Do you believe that with the spirit of the living God inside of you that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength? You've got to see it, to believe it, and begin to start doing it. Mickey said that Rocky was his reason to live. He said, you're my reason to live. You're the reason, my reason to go on. What's your reason to go on? I mean, this is a question that you need to ask yourself. What's your reason to live? And so many of us in this room, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've been at a place low in the pit of betrayal. And I've asked myself, God, why do I even go on? What's my reason to live? And maybe you're in that pit now. And you ask yourself that question in a tough time. Listen, I think we have to make sure that the answer to that question isn't a person. It's not our spouse. It's not our kids. It's not our mom and dad. It, it, it's, not, it's not a person. It can't be a person because people let us down. I mean, that's the reality of life. And the truth is, is that betrayal comes at defining moments. And so you never know. When it's going to come? How do you see yourself? What's your reason to go on? Have you ever been at a place in your life where you've had to ask that question? Is it, is it God-driven, your answer? Is it God-driven? Is it God-initiated? Is it God-honoring? Is it Christ-centered, your reason to go on, your reason to live? Because God's the only one who's not going to betray you. God's the only one close to you who won't turn on you and push you into the pit of betrayal. He is who he is. And he does what he says he's going to do. He's no respecter of man. Betrayal. We've all been betrayed. We've all been betrayed. We've all been there. You will. If you haven't been betrayed, you will be. If you're never betrayed, it's because you've never loved. It's because you've never trusted. And that's no way to live either. That's a whole different pit that we put ourselves into. Betrayal is something that all of us have dealt with, are dealing with, or sometime in the near future will deal with. Betrayal hits at defining moments. You never know when it's going to come. And it just always seems as if it comes out of nowhere when, when you least expect it. When you think your marriage is the best that it's ever been, boom, that's when you find something out. When the relationship with your friend, you think, man, we've been BFS forever. Boom, that's when they do something behind your back. Some of you are teens and kids and, and you think, man, my, my parents are great. My, my parents, you know, and then boom. Something happens. Maybe they've gone through a divorce and you feel like that's a betrayal on you, and that throws you into this pit of betrayal. But it comes out of nowhere. It's defining moments when betrayal hits. And there's this guy in the Old Testament that knows all about betrayal, all about the pit of betrayal. His name is Joseph, old Joe from the Old Testament. Joseph, this guy, he's in this family, a very dysfunctional family. His family's so dysfunctional, they make the Kardashians look like the Brady Bunch. (laughs) Again, some of you just Google Brady Bunch. (laughs) I mean, they're a mess. They're an absolute mess. His dad, his dad's name is Jacob. Jacob in Hebrew, it means the cheater. And he gets this name uh, very respectfully. I mean, when they were younger, he cheated his brother out of his birthright for some beans and cornbread. His brother was hungry. (laughs) You have to read the whole story. Later on, when they get a little older, his dad's about ready to die, can't see. And he tricks him into believing that he's his brother Esau and gets a blessing from his father. He's a cheater. And he's got 12 sons. And then he does... What's a very dumb daddy decision? Anybody ever make a dumb daddy decision? Come on, i got to raise both feet. <laughs> well, Jacob makes a dumb daddy decision, and he decides that he's going to have a favorite son. Out of 12, he's going to pick one to be his favorite, and he picks old Joe, <laughs> As you can imagine, the 11 brothers are not liking this at all. Genesis 37 3 says, Now Israel, Jake, who is Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He had made him a richly ornamented robe. Now, in America, richly ornamented robe, that's translated Ralph Lauren. <laughs> History. Joseph. Then he starts to brag on his brothers, brag to his brothers. Man, I'm better than you. You're never going to be like me. Matter of fact, you're going to bow down to me one day. I'm going to lead over all of you. This is not going very well with his brothers. They are not liking this at all. What Joseph doesn't know is not only does betrayal come at defining moments, but what he should realize is that when betrayal comes, it always comes by somebody closest to you. It always happens by those who are closest to you. When somebody close to you turns on you and pushes you in a pit, betrayal comes at defining moments betrayal happens by people who are closest to you the people who you say you would sit here you would sit in a good moment at a good time you if you were to make a list you would say oh not this person this person would never turn on me this person would never hurt me this person would never betray me this person would never let me down this person would never lead me on those are the people on that list that betrayal will come from that's why betrayal hurts so bad and so deeply. Genesis 37, 4, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. His brothers despised him. They just grew this hatred, grew on and on and on. And so one day, all the 11 brothers, they they took all the flock. They took the sheep. They took the animals. They took the goats and all these animals to some nearby towns to try to find them some good food, some good water. So they just go out on a little journey. And old little Joe, he left home. He's sporting his Ralph Lauren coat. And he's just chilling. And I don't know what, what, you know, dad didn't want him there. Old Jacob said, hey, Joseph, why don't you go out and find your brothers, help them out, see, see if you can just hang out with them a little bit. <laughs> okay, dad. <laughs> and so Joseph takes off, gets to the first city, and they're not there, and some people are there. He says, hey, I think I saw them over there. And so he goes to the next city. Joseph's walking. And the Bible says, look at Genesis 37, 18 says, but they saw him at a distance. They couldn't miss that coat. And before they reached him, they plotted to kill him. So here's Joseph close enough to where he could be seen, close enough to where they could make him out, where they could at least make out his coat. And all the brothers, one of them sees it, hey, look, that's Joseph. Listen, this was not a big decision. This did not take time. It says they saw him, and before Joseph got there, they had planned to kill him. It was like they seen him coming. Hey, y'all want to kill him? Yep. (laughs) That was easy. (laughs) So Joseph makes his way up. They plan this whole thing. They're going to kill him. And one of them says, man, let's not kill him. Let's sell him. They throw him in the pit. Many of you are really able to relate to what I'm saying this morning. Maybe because of a relationship, you thought it was going great, you thought it was on top of the world, and boom, out of nowhere, that person called it off, the split up, the break up. For some of you, it, it was apparent, and you thought, man, things are going good now, boom, man. It's as if that decision just knocked you off your feet out of nowhere, Maybe it was a business deal. You were in this business deal, and it looked good. It sounded good. It was going to put you right where you always wanted to be financially and as a leader. And once you signed the papers and everything was done, it was nothing like that person, that friend, told you it was going to be. Betrayal happens at defining moments. It happens by those who are closest to you. Maybe it was a secret You told somebody, hey, man, th- this is going on in my life, just between you and I, just... Keep it, you know, just keep it low key. Don't say anything, and boom, next thing you know, you're reading about it on Facebook. <laughs> Everybody knows. And that was your best friend since kindergarten. When those closest to you turn on you, that's why betrayal hurts so bad. There's no hurt like the hurt of betrayal. Verses 23 and 24 says, When Joseph reached his brothers, they ripped off his fancy coat he was wearing, grabbed him and threw him in the cistern, and the cistern was dry. There was no, there wasn't any water in it. I like how the writer kind of specifies how the cistern was dry. There wasn't any water in it. There wasn't any water in it. It was dry because it was so full, nothing else could fit. See, the pit of betrayal, it's full of anger. It's full of bitterness, it's full of loneliness, right? I mean, we, we can relate. It's dark. It stinks. It's humiliating. The pit of betrayal. It's full of hurt. It's disgust. A lot of people right now are maybe in the pit of betrayal. Some are trying to crawl out, and as we talk, you, you, the names don't came to your mind. I mean, you don't thought of like three people, that are standing up there, who pushed you in the pit of betrayal. Listen, I understand what it's like to be in the pit. Many of you know my story. When I was six months old, my mom asked my grandmother, she would watch my brother and I while she went to the store. She said, yeah, my mom didn't come back. Betrayed at the highest level. When my dad passed away, uh, and my dad was, I mean, my dad raised my brother and I, I mean, he did everything for my brother and I, and, and even though my brother was on drugs, my dad would always help him and always love him and always give to him and, and all this stuff, and I watched this all the time, and when my dad passed away, uh, my brother was, was home. He was not in prison or anything, and so I went to do my dad's funeral and went through my dad's funeral, and my brother, who's a year older than me, didn't show up at my dad's funeral. Man, I've never felt so betrayed in my entire life. My fist just clenched. As I'm standing up there sharing my dad's story at my dad's funeral, man, the anger is just boiling as I keep looking out, waiting for my brother to come. Then my sister, I have a half-sister. We have the same mom, but a different dad's. We never grew up together, neither one of us grew up with her mom. And my mom was a functional alcoholic all of her entire life. And the reality, the truth is, is my mom was not a nice person. I mean, people just didn't like her. She was married 13 times, and uh, all 13 times, she took them in for all the money they had. (laughs) She had a lot of money, but it was other people's. And so by the end of her life, when she had cirrhosis of the liver and hepatitis C, uh, about four years before my mom passed away, I had written my mom a letter and I called my mom and sent her some music and stuff like that. And I said, Mom, I said, I just want you to know that I completely forgive you for every hurt, every pain, anything you've ever done to me. I said, Mom, I just, you're forgiven. And my mom and I began this relationship, and I was the only person that she would talk to because nobody else liked her. My sister didn't like her. They fought like cat and dogs all their whole life, anytime I seen them. And so, a couple years before my mom passed away, I had gotten a letter, and I was, I was a little bit young, so I was new at this, but the letter said that I had a power of attorney on my, over my mom's will. And my mom had a store in the middle of Gatlinburg. If you've ever been to Gatlinburg, and there's all these stores. My mom had a really cool store right in the middle of all that. She had a log cabin house at the bottom of a mountain, a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank from those 13 men <laughs> that she you know, married. And, and all this stuff. And it said that I was in charge of that, and, and I, I got that, and, and what to give to the others. So I said, okay, you know, if that's what you want, I have never done that before, but I'll I'll keep this and, and we'll do that. I mean, because he trusted me. And and then about a month before my mom passed away, and this is my mom was really bad. She's on a lot of pain medication. She'd been in, in the bed on hospice for a little while. And uh, my sister, who was uh, on heroin and crack and stuff at the time, she's a drug addict. She's a con artist. And she went to my mom's house for the first time in a long time. My mom was just bedridden. So about two weeks before my mom passed away, I got another letter from the attorney. And it said that my sister, who's the drug addict, was the power of attorney and everything was hers. And she could do with it what she wanted. And so I got a call a few days before my mom passed away and I went to my mom's house. And my mom was in the bed and uh, she only had uh, two days left at that time. And my sister was there as well. And I never said one word to my sister. That's been about... 11, 12 years ago and right now my sister's not on drugs and I still haven't said anything to her about what she did. I had aunts calling me, uncles calling me say, man, th- that's not even legal, you just do this and that. But I'd already learned that it's not worth it to live in the pit of betrayal. Even though within six to 12 months time, my sister had lost everything to the drugs, never said one word to her. Because the pit of betrayal is not worth it. Because the longer you're in it, the more you resent the person who pushed you in it. And the longer you resent the person who pushed you in the pit of betrayal, the more you begin to resemble that very person and start to drag other people into the pit with you. And that's usually, come on, the people that you love the most. When you live in the pit, you begin to build all these walls around you. and You say, you know what? I'm never going to trust again. You build all these walls. You say, you know what? I'm, I'm just never going to give my heart again. You build these walls around you. You begin to isolate yourself. And the next thing you know, you're dragging others in the pit. And that's no way to live. We have to get out of the pit. Listen, many people in the pit are just afraid to love. We're afraid to love. We're afraid to, We're afraid to trust. Some people are afraid to be loved. You're thinking, no matter what, no matter what, I'm not going to let anybody that close to me ever again. I'm not going to do it because they're just going to lie to me. At some point, they're going to lie to me. At some point, they're going to push me in the pit. At some point, they're going to talk about me behind my back. So I'm never going to love, and I don't want to be loved again. I'm just going to surround myself with a bunch of cats, (laughs) a bunch of pets. (laughs) Pets are faithful, man, and loyal. (laughs) And the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 40, verse 2, said, God lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet on the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Rocky 5, the movie goes on, you know, the beginning. We see all the betrayal from his accountant. And then this young guy, Tommy Gunn, comes from Oklahoma, uh, friends with Shannon. I think Shannon's neighbor. And uh, Tommy Gunn <laughs> comes from Oklahoma and he finds Rocky. He says, Rocky he says, man, nobody will give me a chance. Nobody will give me an opportunity. Nobody believes in me. Will, will you coach me? And Rocky says, nah, no, man. Rocky tries to turn him down. And the next thing you know, Rocky takes him under his wing. I mean, Rocky pours his life into Tommy Gunn. He gives him his food. He gives him his place to stay. He gives him money to live on. He gives him opportunity. He coaches him and gets him all these fights. And you guessed it. Tommy Gunn, for money and fame, betrays Rocky at the end of the movie. He betrays him and he goes to this bar and he finds Rocky in this place that he's hanging out with. His brother-in-law, Polly <laughs> and he provokes him to come out and fight. And that's where this picks up. I'm going to put you through the street. One more run. On, on, <laughs> Listen, wherever you are, if you're in the pit, coming out of the pit, sometime in the future, going to be in the pit, you need to hear that voice of God whisper in your ear, get up, get up, you bulls. Jesus loves you. Get up. Jesus loves you. Listen, when you are down, you need to know that you are not out. He, he, I love what he said when he said, listen, I didn't hear no bell. <laughs> and I think God is over reigning over each one of us. And when, if you have a breath left in you, if you have breath to breathe, God wants you to know that it ain't over yet. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it ain't over yet. Look out. Come on. God says, I didn't hear no bell. If you got breath left in you, God says, I didn't hear no bell. God wants us to get up and fight our way out of the pit to lean on Him to become the person that He's called us to be. Listen, I want you to hear the music come on. Da da da. Da da da. Da 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 You need to hear the music and you need to hear the voice of God whisper in your ear that it ain't over yet. God's not done with you yet. And you don't get up out of the pit for anybody else. You get up out of the pit for God because God's not done with you yet. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got things that he wants to do in you and through you. And the only way that he can do that is if you'll unclitch your fist of anger and reach up to him and allow him to pull you up. Listen, he'll pull you up. He's the only one that won't betray you. He's the only one that won't let you down He's the only one that's going to be there for you every single time. He's the only one close to you who won't turn on you. So you've got to learn to depend on him every single time. If the band will come, we're going to close like this this morning. I know if you're like me, there's been times where I've been pushed into that pit of betrayal And any time I've been pushed into that pit of betrayal, it's, oh, I just want to hit somebody. Am I the only one? Anybody else just ever wanted to hit somebody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to hit somebody. I just, oh. And even if they're not around, you clench your fist. You got veins start popping out of your forehead and stuff. Because you're just so mad. You're so angry in the pit of betrayal. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray, and after I pray, I'm going to ask you to just keep your heads bowed and stay in your seats for a second, and I'm just going to ask you to clench your fists as tight as you can. And as we're praying, and as you're sitting there with your heads bowed and your fists clenched, thinking about the different people who have pushed you into the pit of betrayal, I want you to do something bold. I want you to do something brave. I want you to take a first step. And I want you to just let go of that person and don't let them control you anymore. The reality is the person who pushed you in the pit of betrayal, are not, they're not thinking about you one single bit. You are not on their mind and you're losing sleep because of them. Now, a lot of times when we talk about this, you say, Kelly, you just don't understand, man. How bad that person hurt me? You don't understand what that person did to me. And for some of you, you're sitting here in the room and nobody even knows what somebody did to you. I know that. You've never even told anybody the story. And man, you want to kill them. No matter who that person is, whether it was an ex-spouse or a boss or an employer or a father or a mother or a child, I want you to just have them in your fists. And if you would today, because listen, you can't reach up to God until you let go. If that's you, I just want you to release your hands in a moment when we do that, as if to say, God, I'm letting go of this person. I'm not going to let them control me anymore. I'm not going to let them. Every time I try to get out of the pit, they push me back in. I'm not going to let it happen anymore. You're just going to surrender to God, surrender to Him. And I want you to let go of your fists, and I just want you to stand you don't have to say anything nobody's going to come to you you don't have to come up front but I just want you to stand as if to say God I'm standing up out of this pit because here's the deal people will say this people will say I'm not going to do it Kelly because I'm not going to let that person off the hook and here's one thing I'm going to tell you about forgiveness today is when you release that person when, when, when you let go of that person, you are not letting that person off the hook. They're still on the hook. You know who you're letting off the hook? You. And you've got to let yourself off the hook to get out of the pit. So let's pray. God, I just pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would move in this place. So many people, maybe every single person, God, can think of somebody who's betrayed them and pushed them into the pit of betrayal. Some, Lord, so many are here, and and that person is at the top of their tongue. That person just keeps pushing them back in because they keep thinking about it. They keep thinking about the hurt, hurt, the pain, the anger. And God, in a moment, as we just clench our fists thinking about that person, I just pray that every one of us would come to a place in here this morning that we would not leave with our fists clenched. We would not leave in the pit of betrayal, but that we would release that person to you. We don't have to deal with them, but God, we release them to you to deal with them. And we'll let ourselves out, Lord, uh, off the hook and grab onto you so that you can pull us out of the pit. So God... We can't get out on our own. Only you can pull us out and take us off the hook out of the pit of betrayal. In Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salmon Sports
1: podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life.
0: If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldasta.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.